Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ring RC. I'm Lisa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? We should probably talk about uh, the passing mm. of the late, great Jamal Edwards, because we just literally decided to talk about this at the top as opposed to at the end, because I think it's so important. So for those who aren't aware, Jamal Edwards in the mid-2000s set up in his teens an online music platform, SBTV, which is basically the foundation of just a generation of youth music culture, like a generation of music culture. Like it's just what he did, his contribution to music, to culture is incalculable. If you try to quantify it, you could literally just say to everyone, who did this man help? And you could fill, you could fill the O2 with people he'd helped directly, like directly in terms of careers that this man helped to launch and enabled because what he did was he took grime, he took art forms that people were trying to ignore out of the silos people tried to put them in. He literally took it out. Like without him, could easily have been, he turned grime into the new rock music, punk music. He did that. Like he helped, to, he curated that rise. It literally, you know, you saw it happen. Obviously I was, I saw people, he elevated. I saw 
the impact pretty much like firsthand because anyone that was making any kind of art in London in the mid 2000s would have seen it. And he was just always there. He was always at events, always promoting, always pushing work out there. And you look at the generation of professionalism that he, it wasn't just the platforms that he provided, but the professionalism that he encouraged in people. Mm. Um, and the collaboration, look at the modern musicians, right? Look how many, you know, like before there was a whole thing like, you know, rappers, artists, would they beef, whatever. Like, and that's all part of the art form to an extent. But what he also did was what he encouraged was collaboration, right? Yeah. So he would, for example, like he, uh, there's a thing that Zion Richards manages Wretch32 posted today on Instagram where basically he said that like when um, Jamal got his Google Chrome advert, he made sure they used Wretch's um, song Tractor as the theme music. So then Wretch managed to go gold with that. Just mm-hmm. a few days ago, he connected um, Ed Sheeran with an artist um, and they made like a huge tune, like, like all of that stuff. Like he's still doing the work years later, like incalculable contribution, incalculable loss. And the thing that makes me so sad about this, to be honest, is like, that is a man who should be at barbecues in his eighties yeah, and awards events, just getting celebrated for the contribution. If that man never lifted another finger from the age of 31 to the rest of his life, he'd have done more for music in five lifetimes than most people. Like it's, sorry yeah. to go off on what I just, yeah. Cause I just, no, just the seeing, thing, you know? The thing about Jamal, yeah. which was so good is that it was always about the other people that he was trying to bring through. He never really dined out on his, his own creation of the platform. And, he, you know, you'd see him, at, um, you'd see him at gigs and stuff like in the crowd, even if they were showcases related to the people that he was pushing. Mm. He was, you know, he was a fan. Of, uh, he was a fan, basically. He was a mm, fan who created yeah, yeah. an infrastructure for so many artists to kind of go into Stella. And they did, yeah. He created an ecosystem that has laid the, the, the foundations for people to come through a generation or so later. It was just really special, man. It was just really special. It was just so sad. Absolutely. And you just see the heartbroken messages on Twitter. Yeah. But I think the thing about him was because people saw him actively curating and create something, people are living more comfortable lives, happier lives, and people are living more hopefully as a result of what this man did in, in what, 15 years, 16 years? At a ridiculously young age as well. The man's, what, 15, 16, this man, mm. I, I, I can't even begin to, and I, I just have to say, obviously, like anybody that, um, this is obvious what we're saying, but especially his friends and family and people he touched because obviously, you know, I was a degree removed because I know people that knew him very well. I didn't know him very well. I met him a couple of times, right? But the people that knew him really well and what he gave them behind the scenes and what he kept giving them behind the scenes, I cannot imagine the hurt. I cannot imagine the pain of his loss. So yeah, I said, yeah, thoughts to them, obviously. Yeah, man. We wanted to mention that up top because I think people will know that a lot of our backgrounds and a lot of our interests go way beyond football. And yeah. Yeah, Jamal was definitely part of a of a world that both of us have had many links with over the years. So yeah, man, should we get on to the football stuff? Let's do it. Because that is ultimately why we're here. That is indeed why we are here. Come rain or shine. Some quick ad wind given the weekend. Yeah. Righty's yeah. house this week. You and Jeanette Quache will be on Righty's house. That'll go up Wednesday. Uh, we're going to save any... Arnold Clark Cup talk for that because Wrighty was there. The ringer.com forward slash soccer. Don't forget to check 
that for all your soccer needs on the ringer. Champions League again this week. So Thursday, Stadio will be another Champions League episode. And uh, Stadio actually plays on Spotify if you want to listen to all the music we play out on each episode. And I do believe that is all the admin. So today, we're going to talk about Spurs' win over City. We'll touch on Leeds, Manchester United, and a couple of other results in the Premier League. And then we'll dart around Europe, including France, Spain, Germany, and Italy. What a wonderful, magical mystery tour. Yes. So let's get into all of it after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man, shall we begin in England? Because let's do it. No doubt, the story of the weekend, and one of the games of the weekend actually, because I thought this was a really, really, really good game. Manchester City two, Tottenham Hotspur three, at the Etihad. One of these games that is very much a surprise, but then when you step back, actually not that much of a surprise in a way, because Spurs have an okay record against City over the last few years. Right, as does Conte. But I think in terms of the context of when this result happened and when the performance happened from Spurs, based on a lot of the noise that's been going around about Conte's mistranslated interview, which he addressed, to be fair, and I thought that was quite good of him, and also City's relentless run of form, there was an element of surprise to this game. But the main takeaway was that despite City having a load of the ball, winning the XG battle, having way more shots, they weren't unlucky. And Spurs weren't lucky. This was an extremely effective, efficient performance from Spurs, which and they were thoroughly, thoroughly deserving of the result. I don't know if I said this explicitly enough in the last few days, but I didn't know what Antonio Conte was complaining about. I genuinely did not know. I know that he'd lost three league games in a row. I know that he'd lost three league games in a row, but who cares? They brought in Kulisewski and Bentan Kaur. These are two extremely good footballers. I thought that was a really good window. I don't know why. I, mean, I looked at that and thought, yeah, I thought, I thought that's was brilliant. I thought it was <laughs> brilliant. I mean, what is everyone complaining? What's he complaining about? What's he saying he can't get his work done? You've got a terrifying front three. Kulisewski, Son and Kane had all the potential to do all the damage. And not to sound smug, but I looked at this and thought, hang on a minute, like you're confident enough tactically their main tactic in the first half basically was, oh, let's put Son in a foot race with Carl Walker. That, the audacity of that. And it worked. It worked because Son is absolutely brilliant because he's not just quick, his feet are outstanding. This man can occupy two or three players at a time. And Kulisewski is just Joe Cool. He is so chill. He got, when his, his assist for the winning goal, he just stood there. And at first I was like, 
is this man checking if the goal is offside because he's got he's, he's been burnt before, or is he just chilled? No, he's actually just chilled because when the final whistle goes, Kuliseski is chill. He's like, yeah, we won, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're just beating City, and this is the thing. What Conte's done, you know, it's funny because Pep before the game did the typical Pep thing of like, you know, Pep's really worried about this game, and like sometimes Pep does that, and he does that, and you're like. Is Pep just saying that because he's preparing to feast? But he genuinely meant it because he knew very, very well that City's uh, weaknesses, such as they are, matched up directly with Spurs' strengths and specifically the passing of Harry Kane from deep, which has been brilliant for years. This is nothing new. Was outstanding. It was of an elite level. Like Harry Kane's passing is... I don't know if it's an underrated part of this game or understated because it's talked about a lot. But I think it's a thing that makes him a complete forward. Um, Not just a nine, actually. This withdrawn role that he takes up is absolutely incredible. The fact that he's able to not only drop deep and link play, but, you know, one of my main obsessions, crash the box. This man is scoring from four yards out and he's dropping 50 yards deep. I mean, someone tweeted afterwards, I think some of the Athletic said that this is one of the great Premier League performances. Yeah, it was and I really first read it and I was like, I first read no. it and thought, hey. then I thought, nah, like this no, is absolutely it is. was nailed on. It was. It was unbelievable. It was yeah. unbelievable. I wrote a tweet alluding to the last dance. I took that personally because he missed the first game of the season. Yes, yes. When Spurs beat City. You touched on something there, which is just my whole thing about this Spurs squad through various forms over the last few years. The profile of player mm. that they had are those peak potch teams, which then dipped obviously a little bit and they've, and they've gone through a few managers since. But they are one of the few teams who are built in the Premier League to really hurt City from a matchup point of view, just because when those players really want to get going, they can really mm. hurt you. Yeah. I think the thing that I really love about this front three for Spurs is that it's a front three that they had or a kind of iteration of the front three that they had they tried it with Bergwijn. They tried it with like Lucas Moura. Lamella. Lamella too. But I think what this front three now has the potential to be with Kulisewski in there is basically a front three that plays in a similar way to that Liverpool front three. Yes. I'm not going to get into like comparisons with stuff like that because this Liverpool team that we have at the moment, since they won the Champions League, has been otherworldly at points. And we've said before, like, you know, no Pep, that Liverpool side probably wins the league three years straight, or at least two of them. But with this Spurs iteration with Kulisewski, this is his first start and he scored within a few minutes. What him and Son give Spurs with Kane when he plays like this, it just completely opens up the possibilities for that front three. Yeah. And especially when Spurs play about three, this suits Spurs even more than previous iterations of Spurs sides that have tried to kind of go up against City. Absolutely. The one challenge for Spurs is going to be, and this is the the coming problem for them, when people give them the ball. Yeah. Spurs putting in a performance like this and getting a result like this against Man City, but Mm. maybe they might struggle to break down a someone like Watford if Watford just let them have all the ball. And this this is the next challenge for Spurs now, I think. This is the evolution. Yeah, but they can worry about that next week. They have got results against Man City under Poch, under Mourinho, under Nuno and now under Conte. Right. So four different managers with different iterations of the Spurs side have all achieved results against this Man City side that has been extremely hard to beat over the last three or four years. Well, one I'll talk about as well in terms of the matchups, and I love this, is um, 
see the matchup. So Emerson Royale, masterful villain. I thought I couldn't see a bigger Hoypier, a villain in this team than Hoypier, but but this guy, Emerson Royale, loved this. And you know, it's fascinating. So a lot has been said about one of the things Pep has brought to the Premier League, which is fullbacks making these diagonal runs infield. It's very hard to track. Mm. It's very hard because the average defender is just accustomed to a certain type of marking where the fullback overlaps and goes outside, but then Cancelo cuts. We actually saw, actually fun enough, we saw um, Teo Hernandez do this in Serie A um, against Lenatana this weekend. Similar diagonal cut. It's very difficult mm. to match that. What Emerson does, of course, is he's like doubling down, going, I'm going to go right outside you and clamp you. And you saw so much of this, not just in pushing Cancelo back at certain times, but also in terms of like just the kind of the gamesmanship, you know, taking the heat out of the game. When he went off the pitch, it was just such a rest. When he finally got subbed off, I just thought to myself, this is the ultimate wrestling heel. I think even there was a kind of like sort of booing and whatever. And it was almost like the acknowledgement of the home crowd as we knew what this was. You knew what you came here for and you delivered exactly that. It's one of the most villainous in the best possible way fullback performances I've seen in a while. And I was kind of like, ah, this is the kind of ugly that Spurs need to an extent, right? They need this bit of ugly. And now you've got Romero as centre-back, you've got um, Davies and Dyer. That is an underrated, it's an underrated configuration. If you, look at, if you look at what they absorbed, the shock they had to absorb, and even like in relation to the concession of the goal, like Loris, shout out to him because he, like, he made a poor concession. You could argue that De Bruyne unsighted him when he parried it away to Gundogan. He made that one save though. Oh my God. He made God. a couple. He made a couple of saves, Loris. He made a couple, one in particular, when he clawed around the post. Mm. I was like, oh my God. Like all bets were off. When Let's say about Loris, right? Mentally, he has incredible fortitude. Like this is a guy who can make a howler, but doesn't like double down on it. Like he will recover. He will recover in a game and draw something out of the bag. So you looked at the Spurs team, there's real personality there. Yeah. I liked what you said about Emerson Royale. I think he should change his name to Emerson Doom. Yes. <laughs> he was a super villain. <laughs> you know, just on the back of the show, it was just Doom. Doomy Sally. <laughs> Emerson, all capitals, no trick spelling. All caps. You mentioned gamesmanship there, and there was a moment from Hoybier in the second half, which genuinely made me laugh when I was watching it, because... He did one of the carbon copy Man City fouls on the halfway line on Kevin De Bruyne that you've seen Man City do a yes. million times. A million times. He got booked for it. And, and Kevin the outrage, De Bruyne, the outrage did of De Bruyne. not like it. Was he? He, was like, he did not like it. What the, what the hell do you think you're doing? And I love Kevin De Bruyne, but this was a rare moment of Kevin De Bruyne being, I was just like, come on, Kev, Kev, Kev. You, I, think the reason, I think the reason that Kevin De Bruyne got so pissed off with it was because he knew exa- it was exactly the kind of thing Man City would have done in that scenario. And he was oh, just Fernandinho like, was famous, yeah. Fernand- exactly. I could exactly. imagine Kevin De Bruyne being like, "Wait, well, bite biting. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, can I say this? And I, I love De Bruyne as well, but there are a few things funnier in Premier League football than Kevin De Bruyne being angered, like obvious disrespect. It's one of the funniest facial expressions. He's like, what? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> there was a, one other thing I want to mention about Hoybier that was really funny. The moment in the second half where he like, almost like a naughty child, like scampers over the halfway line on the left flank. It's like, can I do this? Can I do this? <laughs> it just keeps going down the left. And it was so funny. You know, you've seen Wally, right? Yes, yes. Right. You know, Mo, the little robot that cleans. 
everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They all stick to this laser line on the floor. And there's one bit yeah, yeah, where yeah, he looks yeah. around and he kind of jumps off the laser line to expect yes. to see what's <laughs> happening. And nothing happens. And he's just like, whoa. <laughs> it was like that. That was like, that was, it was, I, I cried. <laughs> this game gave me all the it's, vitamins. It's, it's like this massive siren going to go off and a load of red lights are going to start flashing if Hoybier went over the halfway line. Yes, exactly. He was breaking as well. I must say, this was like, I mentioned this on Twitter, but I have to say, like Aston Villa leads before it, this is a chaos fixture. Manchester City Spurs is a chaos fixture at this point. It just is. And I'm here for it. After the, all the noise about, around Spurs in the last couple of weeks, I was wondering whether this was Conte's 3-0 at Arsenal when he was Chelsea manager moment. When he went to the back. Yeah, when he, had the, when he had the bad result and then went to the back three and that changed everything. Yeah. Now, obviously he's been playing mm. the back three at Spurs, but I, it felt like he but kind of needed... you mean in terms needed, of the shift? Yeah. It's not really that term, but you need a kind of a wake-up call. Yes. And I wonder whether this interview, for example, and I'm playing, I'm completely speculating here, but I wonder whether this interview and all the noise around it in the last few days, whether he's used that and been like, guys, I didn't say this. This is what I meant. Look at you all. You are like really good players. You're a really good young player. You're coming through. Look at this team, Man City. Look at their bench. They, you know, they've got like 50 million pound players on the bench. Let's go to their place and like do a job on them. And yeah. they absolutely did that. And they deserve a huge amount of credit because with the run of fixtures that they've had and the, the general mood about Spurs, that could really galvanise them. I like you said this because the Conte thing, I think he definitely put pressure on him, on his team, but also on himself, mm. right? I think he needed to like, Start something. The thing about the 3-0 defeat, that's interesting because it's almost like he could say, look, tried one way, it didn't work. Now we're going to try my way and we're going to go all in on the Conte ball. Mm. Like I said, when he had that transfer window, I did occur to me that he was going to play some kind of, not mind game or whatever, but it, yeah, it was a bit of a mind game. because so I was thinking, you've got Benton Korn Kulisewski. Mm. What are you complaining about? This is not a clown show. Even with the injuries that you had, Skip was out, Regulon was out. Like these are players that might have otherwise started you're looking pretty good, dude. Like, mm. I don't know what this is. And I thought, oh, actually, you're trying to set something off here. Yeah. Um, you're trying to make this team angrier, a little yeah. bit nastier. Because it's gonna, cause frankly, it's, it's going to need it. And but those here's best, the thing about the, City. But sorry, sorry, just quickly on that, sorry, quickly yeah, before you move on to City. But like the best Spurs, the best that Spurs have been over the last few years under Poch, under Mourinho, and we didn't really see it too much under Nuno, but under Poch specifically was when they were gnarly like gnarly Spurs right. with the players that they have. Like if you look through that squad, they have technically gifted players who are all six foot plus as well. Like even pe people take the piss out of players like Eric Dyer, right? But Eric Dyer is a frightening prospect to play sometimes. That, guy, that dude is huge. Harry Kane is huge, right? So when you have someone who can hurt you technically, as well as being an absolute unit, and they're playing gnarly, that is not a problem that anyone wants to go up against. And that is why I think they kind of do so much damage to City. Yeah thing that for us I think has been so frustrating about Spurs as neutrals like as actual fans of our clubs they fucking terrified us for ages but as neutrals the thing that we probably get a little bit frustrated about Spurs is just that like they were absolutely geared towards being this really destructive force for quite a long time yeah yeah if they'd nailed a few more transfer windows when they were kind of riding that wave they could have been a real problem and Levy knows it he does Levy will always know it. He'll always know it. He can't not. But anyway. He'll always know it. Anyway. They are anyway. a problem once more. Great win for Spurs and the title race is a title race once more because yeah. now it's six points. Liverpool only two goals behind in goal difference. And they've got a play um, to again, right? They can make, yeah, and they can make up that goal difference. No problem at all, Liverpool. No problem the way they're playing. They've only lost twice in the league, Liverpool. This is the thing. 
And can I say this as well? Liverpool got a very good 3-1 win over Norwich. We'll just very quickly mention that. And Sadio Mane is underrated, right? Because it's impossible to rate this man properly for what he does. Sadio Mane is so underrated. He scores a spectacular goal. And it takes for me to watch the recap to be like, my God, like, why is no one talking about this? Mo Salah got another glorious goal against Norwich. And I have to only say this. It's 150th. I do not know what it is. Sorry, 150th? For Liverpool, yeah. I do, I do not know what it is about Norwich. I don't know why Norwich always seem to extract such spectacular goals from Liverpool. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they did to you, but you keep doing it. Liverpool, glorious, glorious goals. Diaz got the third. Lovely finish. Yeah, his first goal for Liverpool. Lovely finish. Mo Salah is the 10th player to score 150 goals for Liverpool. Only Roger Hunt did so in fewer matches. Uh, Roger Hunt did it in 226. Mo Salah did it in 233 which is a frankly wild record. That was a really good result for Liverpool. And the thing that makes it a title race is because they have to play each other. Right, absolutely. I think it is at Liverpool as well, right? I know it's not right. at City because Mo Salah scored that amazing oh, goal. Oh yeah, they're City, yeah, yeah. And that's assuming now the points have dropped. It's the thing because City now, they've been given a bit of a bloody nose. And we know the Premier League is a copycat league. So now be fully prepared to see other clubs trying it. They'll be like, ah, oh, City lost. They're gonna, there'll be a backlash at City at some point, but the next couple of weeks, other clubs are going to be trying it. We saw what happened to Chelsea when Chelsea, like that tough game against, I think it was Villa, mm. other clubs came at them. And to be honest, Chelsea have never fully recovered from the loss of that early season aura of invincibility. They've never fully recovered from that. Yeah, I mean, they scraped past Palace on the weekend, a late goal from Hackers the X. Oh, then, that was a shame. I watched that game and I have to say this, like, unlucky Palace, Michael Elise mm. was unbelievable. He's extraordinary. He's 20 years old. Palace should have put one of those chances away as well. Yeah, Zaha should have scored the first half one, I think. Really good win for Watford, beating Villa yeah. 1-0. And do you know what I really loved about the post-match interview here from Steven Gerrard was that he addressed that poor on of form head on. Wow. He was I like, like I know we've only got one one point from our last, what, three against or four against sides who have who are behind us in the table and we need to do better. It's a fair play. I mean, I think like Villa will be fine and we praised them heavily a couple of weeks ago and there were going to be bumps in the road. Mm. But yeah, that's a really, really important win for Watford. Another a really important win for Burnley, beating Brighton 3-0 at the Amex, which was, they were absolutely brilliant, Burnley. So, so good. Valt Vegos' first goal for Burnley as well. Mm. A huge win for them. Southampton are quietly putting together a very impressive run of form. They beat Everton 2-0. And Southampton haven't lost since that defeat to Wolves. That's five games in all comps, including the draw with City and the draw away at Manchester United. Very impressive. Ralph doing work. I mean, he's great. We are huge Ralph Hasenhut fans. Uh, great points for Newcastle as well at West Ham, all things considered. Yeah. With the injuries they have and they lost uh, Ryan Fraser in the second half as well. Good point for them. West Ham are in a bit of a sticky patch of form as well. Arsenal beating Brentford 2 1. They deserved it, really. Brentford got that goal right at the end. Oh, but Brentford had a horrible run, aren't they? They really Arsenal are. Arsenal goals were glorious. I still think Brentford will be okay. I believe in Thomas Frank. Yeah, it's just that I've said this, I said, we were saying in the, in the, um, the Writers House group, I think we were saying, like, I was saying that like, there's always one, one team kind of plummets and Brentford are kind of looking plummet, plummeting at the moment. I'm not sure if they're exhausted because of the high-intensity game they play, but if you look at the start of the season, the Tindall went over Arsenal and Arsenal now and how Arsenal kind of like tooled up skilled up and in a different direction obviously at Smith Rowe and Saka playing with freedom be, to be fair that's more a reflection on Arsenal's improvement than it is on Brentford's deterioration with the exception of maybe one recent fixture 
they've lost points where you would fundamentally expect them to lose points. Mm. Um, so yeah, they should be okay. Speaking of tricky patches of form, another defeat for Leicester against Wolves, but that is nothing to be ashamed of. We've seen Wolves, how good they are, right? And their run, you know, apart from that defeat to Norwich in the Cup, in the league, since they lost to City on the 11th of December, they only dropped points to Chelsea at home when they drew 0-0 and when they lost to Arsenal. They're one of those teams that's just very hard to like put away. That's the thing. And they've just been coached really, really well. Brenner Large doing a great job there. I mean, they have the second best, the joint second best defence in the league with Chelsea and only Man City have conceded fewer goals this season. And they've only conceded one fewer than Wolves. That's how hard to beat they are. Do you know what's funny about that with Wolves? That's also the eye test because that's the kind of, that's the kind of statistic which absolutely corresponds with watching Wolves. Yeah. You telling me that stat does not surprise me at all watching them. It's not even just, you know what it is? It's not that Wolves um, have, there are, there are two types of defence. There's the defence where, you know, United have like David De Gea at one point, his picks just stopping everything, but allowing too many shots on target. And there's what you call the team defence, where the individual defenders aren't necessarily the best. They're still very good, but the team defence is such that everyone is doing their job to such an extent that by the time you reach goal, you're exhausted because the quality of chance available is just awful, right? And this is not a team that's conceding so many shots in front of the centre of goal. It's clamping you out. It's just exhausting and they just wear you down. Um, and I know I've mentioned this many times before, but the Wolves 1-0 defeat to Man City is one of the most impressive defensive performances I've seen in a long time because they just choked the life out of that team. If it hadn't been for Jimenez red card, that's a nil-nil draw. They couldn't see where else that victory was coming from other than a kind of numerical advantage. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway. I would yeah. say the second best for last. That was Leeds against Manchester United at Ellen Road with fans for the first time in a very, very, very long time. This was and a humdinger. Oh my God. This was such an insane game. It was kind of brutal. People were kicking the shit out of each other. This was like late 90s. This was like late to mid 90s. This is almost like, yeah, late to mid 90s. Ellen Road. I think it's early to mid. This is early to mid, yeah, because this was not the O'Leary Leeds. This was the earlier Leeds. Yeah, this was like the, when, when Manchester United stopped Wilkinson. that Leeds. Yeah. This that's, is Howard that's what this reminded me of. Yeah. Yeah. Good shout, actually. Good shout. It was such a good game of football. The weather, the atmosphere, loads of goals. These kind of games are the ones that I don't think Bielsa will mind losing so much. After the game, he said, you know, we've got this bad combination at the moment of, he said, we, we conceded too many goals and I'm not setting them up solidly enough. Mm. But also, I think that, that, that we've talked about the injuries that Leeds have had this season in key positions. And Calvin Phillips, again, is a massive miss for them. And the knock on mm. effect that his absence has had. I think has really pulled that lead side to a, like a really strained point. And then obviously they lost Robin Koch after half an hour to that collision with McTominay, which was quite gnarly. Harry Maguire answering his critics with a big old knee slide. Yeah, the great header as well, because um, the ball came header. over from the corner and he had to come for it through a kind of, not through a crowd, but he had to beat um, his man to it, but also... Ronaldo gone for it too. So like it was, mm. it was like we call the blinking ball. He didn't have the greatest view of it as it came through the crowd. And Maguire has been criticised plenty. Um, not always without reason, but certainly a huge amount. You know, it's a scrutiny you get as a United defender. So that was great for him. Uh, what was really exciting, I think, to see from a tactical point of view was the freedom that people like Lindelof were playing with. You know, Lindelof striding forward to help to create the um, second goal was outstanding for Bruno Fernandes. And what was amazing about this was Jadon Sancho is being unlocked, not for the first time in this recent run. Rangnick understands his qualities. He is playing with freedom. And not only that, his teammates are starting to understand 
just what he brings. I'm not quite sure they did before. There's a lot of talk about no, I don't. Sancho down the left. It's like, mm, Sancho can create from anywhere. He doesn't have yeah. to be on. It's not, Sancho's not like one of those players where you're like, oh, he needs him in a specific configuration. To No, like Sancho will roam and do his thing and will mm-hmm. pick defences apart. And all the goals, here's the thing about Sancho, is right, Sancho's not even scoring regularly. A happy Sancho, and what, that will happen when, when not, not happy, a peak Sancho, not saying he's not happy, but a peak Sancho will come when United, frankly, sort out the recruitment in the midfield area. We see Dennis Zakaria thriving at Juventus and some of us who knew what we were talking about advocated for this man's signing all the time. <laughs> some of us will never shut up about this. Dennis Zakaria thriving at Juventus and is the kind of player, the profile of player that will help uh, Sancho thrive as, as, as his highest level. Now, and the thing is now, watching Sancho now at Manchester United, I, I'm not so worried about him anymore, Ryan. I'm not so worried. In these last few games, I'm like, yeah. I, I can see it working. I mean, I wasn't really worried about him anyway. I, I wasn't worried that he would be okay eventually. I was worried whether he would get the time yes, or be yes, played yes, in the right way, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, given yeah. the tools to operate, because otherwise there's just no point buying him. But I'm glad that he's starting to kick into form because there's nothing worse than seeing a player who you know how good they are. Like, genuinely mm. how good they are. Like, I think I probably watched every single game that Jaden Sancho played in last season before he joined Manchester United. And week in, week out, he was unbelievable. There was that period before Christmas where he had a bit of a wobble, but even in those games, he would still create moments. Yeah. Seeing that now come to fruition at Manchester United is just really good for him. It's just really, I'm really happy yeah, yeah. for him. Just wrapping up on that, because I don't think we've, I know Leeds have had results all over the place, you know, like losing 3-0 to Everton, losing at home to Newcastle, that's 7-0 against City. But we've, we've talked about Leeds' injuries and stuff like that as well. I still think that because of the occasion and especially when Leeds got back into it because they were that was very, very, very impressive for them to get those two goals in a minute or so. Yeah. I think Manchester United seeing that game out was big for them because it really yes. could have gone the other way. Great result, yeah. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, so let's go to the mainland. Yes. I would like to begin quickly with the Bass Derby. And we were going to spend a little bit of time originally on the Bass Derby. It was one of our favorite fixtures in La Liga. However, the first half was a little bit dry. It was attritional. The moment of excitement was David Silva getting a penalty given against him for handball. Munayin having his penalty saved by Alex Romero. Yeah, but here's the thing you want to really mention about who gave the penalty. Because you clocked oh, this before. Yes. <laughs> I sent a thing in the Writers House group saying, if anyone wants a little bit of Sunday night entertainment, the Bass Derby is about to start and Mateo Leos is doing the VAR. <laughs> when that happened, it was harsh. And I was just like... Yeah, my prediction's coming true. But the rest of the first half was so dreadful. I was just like, actually, maybe don't listen to me ever again. But then the, se- uh, the second half, Athletic Club just, they kind of just ran riot. 
they ended winning the game 4-0, by the way. We haven't they even didn't. talked about the The strange score. thing, the, the first goal came at 68 minutes and it was almost the equivalent of like when rot sets in, when rot sets in and then like the, the house collapse, the, the, the wall collapses. It was like that. It was like the, the rot has set in so much that basically like a gust of wind will destroy the entire wall. But the six, the previous 67 minutes, club, Athletic Club had just been running them, running them, running them. And it was really fitting, I think, that the fourth goal came, well, the opening goal came after a run by Nyaki Williams down the left-hand channel where he basically just kept roasting them. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, it was wild because I remember thinking, Nyaki Williams is still operating like at light speed after 65 minutes. I remember thinking, this is not sustainable for Sociedad, for Real Sociedad. They can't, they cannot keep defending against these incursions and his movement in the end, along with Sanchez, who was brilliant, like they just tore them apart. Their delivery from set pieces at the club was superior, but the movement of the athletic club forward line was just bewildering for Sociedad in the end. And they were, I mean, I have to say it like, it's not often you'll say that Imanol is outcoached to that extent, but if anyone's mm-hmm. going to outcoach him, it's going to be someone like Marcelino um, and who was just absolutely superb in this thoroughly deserved victory. And Munayin got his goal in the end as well. He got the fourth and final goal. And it was funny because every single goal felt fitting. It's a strange mm. one because you look at the 4-0 scoreline and you'd be like, ah, all the goals came in the last 22 minutes. It was, it was strange. It was like Schrodinger's derby. Like the result was fair, but it was also you, unfair. You do a Schrodinger's something every week. But shouldn't I? Because that's football. The football contains multitudes. Like, <laughs> like look, 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 look at the Conte. Look at, look at this, the win over the Spurs win over City was the same, wasn't it? It was like, it was both unsurprising and unsurprising. Right. And the same with this. There's a four nil win. I was like, ah, that feels about right. Like when the fourth goal went in, I thought, yeah, okay, fair enough. But here's the thing as well, like the bragging rights. I would not want to be a Sociedad fan because here's the thing. Um, <laughs> you're going to see, this is the thing about derbies. You're going to see all those people at work, on the train, <laughs> across the dinner table. So just a moment of silence for Sociedad fans because you're going to hear it for the next few weeks. And I'm genuinely sympathetic about that. Some good excuses for Sociedad though. No, uh, no Alexander no, either. He was no out speed full. on the break. Yep, no speed. Yeah, he was out. He's out with injury. Not a huge amount of excuses. Not a huge amount. But the more concerning thing for them is that Athletic are now only a point behind them in the table. They've played a game more, but Real Sociedad have really struggled from, I mean, they were top earlier on in the season, right? Mm, yeah. And they have struggled to maintain that. I think maybe the combination of playing in Europe as well with a squad that is it isn't super deep. Mm. And I think Imanol was, he was kind of overachieving with that squad, I think. And it started to normalise a little bit. There's probably a little bit of an element of disappointment that they can't, they couldn't push for like a Champions League spot this season. And I think the Champions League spots will be four out of those top five. I don't really th- expect anyone else to break into that yeah. now, especially with Atleti kind of getting a couple of decent results in the, in the space of a week or so with that Levante one sandwiched in between it. Their biggest problem, Real Sociedad, as as far as watching this year, is they are unable to score goals they don't deserve. Mm. Whenever they win games, and that's not, that's like, they don't get enough um, cheap goals or goals they don't deserve. I think that's maybe a kind of, that's a firepower thing. Mm. It maybe sound harsh on them, but I love the football they play. I've loved the football they played for several years now. I love it. It's just that they don't have, with the greatest respect, um, that kind of greed and attack. Uh, and that greed, the problem with that greed is the greed is expensive, actually. 
I'm very mm. sympathetic to teams that don't have that. You know, we mentioned before, like Brighton looking to make acquisitions in that area. We'll see how their new striker does next season. But I really feel that's a problem for Real Sociedad. Yes, it's the one criticism I would say. Um, Real Sociedad, perhaps just a little goal shy. But yeah, nothing they can't solve over time. Do you know who isn't goal shy? Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. A hat-trick for Barcelona in their 4-1 win over Valencia. They looked good. Brian. They looked really good, man. They looked, they looked really, really good. Dembele and Pogba are united by one thing. They're about to leave clubs that are, per- or potentially about to leave clubs that, that are perfectly suited for them and what they do. It's so weird, Jonathan, isn't it? That like That is the very definition of playing for free agency. Oh gosh, you look at it and just think, well, the attacking options that Barca have, Dembele very impressive. Aubameyang's first goal in particular, just outstanding. Like he rips that into the roof of the net. Mm. Pedri, spectacular. Um, Gavi, what can you say? You know, deceptively strong. Just match control. Match control from Barca. And you see what Xavi week by week is trying to achieve. I mean, Pedri only came on with half an hour to go. Two minutes later, he's like assisting. Exactly. exactly. This, is the, this is the thing. Like Pedri, look, it's, it's always watch Pedri, isn't it, at this point? This Barcelona team, they've left it, they left it too late to mount a charge on the league, but they should be looking very seriously at Champions League. First of all, with their resources, because frankly, like even with all that, they, they spent a stack of money, so they should be champions, but they should really look at this as the beginning of a serious rebuild. It's worth remembering, they've not had it easy against Valencia over the last no. few years. Like they beat them earlier, uh, they beat them last season away, but they, it was yeah. that 3-2 where Valencia got back into it and could have... I did, did Valencia have a goal disallowed, an equaliser? I seem to remember. I might be imagining that. Obviously beat him at home earlier on in the season, but, you know, lost a Mastaya a couple of seasons ago. They've got additions to make, but extremely impressive. A good win for Betis. William Jose penalty got them out of trouble. It looked like they were going to drop points against Mallorca. Yeah. But they stay third. Atleti beat Osasuna 3-0 away. Real Madrid beat Alaves 3-0 at the Bernabeu as you kind of would expect. Yeah, no surprises there. Sevilla dropping points at Espanyol. Sevilla have had chances to get back into this. They have. Yeah, they're doing what they did last season. They got themselves back into contention all of a sudden and we were like, holy shit, could Sevilla win the league? And then literally as soon as we said that, they just dropped a load of points. Like, God damn it, man. Couldn't be cool. Couldn't be cool. Couldn't. couldn't. (laughs) Uh, Do you know who else couldn't be cool? Jose Mourinho couldn't be cool. He couldn't be cool. He booted the ball away because he knew that he'd get memed to shit. And then he did a very derogatory kind of like phone to the ear gesture at the referee when Roma, uh, towards the end of the game, which I believe was an insult to the referee's father being involved in the famous Calcio Poly. Oh my goodness, you're joking. He referenced that. Yes. That is wild if that's what he was referencing. That's wild. And the ref sent him off. And Mourinho did the most amazing kind of like, he did the rounds. He went over, shook hands with everyone, all the opposition bench, waved to the crowd. Guys, I'm going, I've just been sent off. So dramatic. Gasparini got sent off for Atalanta at Fiorentina as well. And I was just like, are we going to have another one of those days where four Serie A managers get sent off in the same day? This was a big weekend for Serie A. So Fiorentina beating Atalanta, Salernitana bottom drawing against Milan. Inter, beaten 2-0 by Sassuolo, who were brilliant. Sassuolo's a problem, three. yeah. Sassuolo, always hard. Juventus drawing against Torino, one all. Uh, Napoli playing Cagliari tonight. That's yes. the game changer. Napoli win that. Cagliari have been quite difficult. Napoli have to win this game. 
calorie have been difficult. So there's a caveat there. Having said that, this league is, is a problem. Even Matteo Bonetti was like, ah, oh, like, are Juventus really out of this title race? Well, actually, no, not really. Not really. Kind of, but not really, because... <sighs> Nine points, though. Yes, oh, yes, absolutely, yes. But people, if people are stumbling like this. Yeah, but also it's one of those things, if it was one side, maybe, but can you expect three sides that are six, seven and nine points ahead, two of those having played a game less? Yes, I can, can actually. Can you expect all three? Oh, yeah, I can, I can, I can. With this Serie A season, I absolutely can. <laughs> I He's absolutely just there can. raising his arms with flames behind the bean. I absolutely yes, can. See. Yes, I can. has gone to a watcher. He's got, his, he's got his shiny jacket on his, and all of a sudden Moose's <laughs> eyes have just turned to lights and he's just like, I can see it. I see, I see it. I see it. I am, the multiverse. I'm the Calcio watcher. I'm the Calcio watcher. <laughs> <laughs> what a league, man. Yeah. What a league. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Roma drawing that game with Verona 2 all in the end. And, but although, can we just shout out Eduardo Bova's goal, which was absolutely unbelievable. So good. There was like, it was, it really, he, he got himself into a position on the right-hand side of the box where it looked like he was going to cross it. And he kind of knew that everyone was expecting it and just drove it near post. It was such a good goal. Oh, I, I love this goal. My favourite goal from Serie A this week, I think was the Teo Hernandez one, uh, the assist for Messias, the opener. I think, mm. it was, it was, I think Messias is opener. Yeah. Just because the way he cuts for it. And Messias is having a bit of a, he's having a bit of a season, actually being of a moment. This is kind of his breakout year. So I kind of, that was my favourite just because I was like, that run is so hard to track. Milan have been super fun this year. I, I can I, I can see points being dropped. Mm. I can. I just I can just feel Juventus like they're creeping the outside rail, and I think what they'll do is they'll disrupt. I don't think they'll win the league, but I think they'll disrupt it for one of those three teams above it. I think they will. They're a zombie Juventus. They're never quite dead. <laughs> do you know who looked a bit zombieish? Neymar taking that penalty against Nantes on Saturday. That game. so weird. Not more good value for this. This game was like Comoros Ghana at the AFCON. I've mentioned this before where everyone's like, oh my goodness, how can Ghana lose? And I'm like, because Comoros are a better team. Like every single player on the Nantes team had a role executed. Lafont in the goal for Nantes was oh. outstanding. Was outstanding. But Nantes could have been good value for like 3-0, 4-1 actually. They should have been 4-1 up actually before Neymar got that penalty and missed it. And it is Yeah, they missed that absolute sitter. Oh, from like four yards out. Like it, it was, but they were so, so good. They were ferocious on the counter. And the opening goal, the opening goal by Murani, I think Murani has scored in like his last three games against PSG or something wild like that. Oh. No, really nice goals by Nantes. PSG clawing their way back into it. Messi actually won't get any credit for it. And frankly, probably shouldn't because he's Messi. So, you know, Messi does what Messi does. Messi's playmaking in the sort of the second was absolutely brilliant. So good. It's absolutely brilliant. Like that's what I think makes this result even more impressive for Nantes because you know they went at 3-0 at half time and you think, whoa, okay. Yeah. Neymar scores straight after half time, like what, like 90 seconds after the beginning of the second half. Mm. And you think, all right, here we go. They then get the penalty like 10 minutes later that Neymar just takes one of the worst penalties I've seen in a while. Oh my goodness, awful. Messi is really starting to pull the strings in there. Yeah. And you think, this is it. But like you say, that like Nantes could have also had another. And they held out really well. They defended super well. They did. I think they were, they were a little bit lucky. Dennis Appiah could have gone for a second I think yellow. that was He's, a really great piece of refereeing, actually. 
Well, the first um, one, well, the first, no, I think the first one that got overturned to a yellow was really good refereeing because. Right. I okay. Because it wasn't, was there wasn't a, there wasn't a clear goal scoring chance. He gave away the penalty as well though. Right. He had it. He was on a journey. He could have got that second yellow for the penalty. Easy. What we have to talk about though, really, sorry to make, because this is, this is all about Nantes to an extent. It's an amazing win for them at the same time. There's kind of a, there's a kind of way in which it was all about Neymar because Neymar executed in the second half, the perfect opposite of the hero's journey. Mm. Beautiful goal, penalty miss, beautiful goal. I think yellow card, penalty miss and subbed off. Like he's just, his, his half just deteriorated in real time. It was like Danny Alves without, it was like Danny Alves against uh, Atleti, but without the end product. Yes, exactly. It's very, very, very much. Or as much much end product, let's say. Wijnaldum also had um, uh, a forgettable, forgettable afternoon. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have the great time. Do you know who had a great weekend though? Nice, because Nice won against Angers, closed the gap on Marseille to a point, and then Marseille went and lost two 0 at home to Clermont Foot on Sunday evening. Shall we quickly go to the Bundesliga? Because some huge results here. Well, huge as in big score lines. I'm not sure if they were huge results, but they were big score lines. Yeah, the results. On, there was eight. There were 18 goals in three games on Sunday in the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga looked at the Schweizer Bundesliga and was just like, "Hold up, guys." <laughs> Bayern were fortunate, I think, against Goethefurt. Made hard work of this, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they were 1-0 down. The second, they, they equalised literally 30 seconds into the second half. The second goal for them was a Griesbeck own goal. Goethefurt could have had another, missed a, really, a couple of really, really good chances. And then Lewandowski, 82 minutes, Chupamoteng and stoppage time at the end, saw off. But it wasn't, even though they kind of hammered them on the XG and stuff, Bayern, it wasn't a massively fluid Bayern and they've not looked incredible recently Bayern well it's wild how much difference Lewandowski makes that team I've said it a thousand times but with a team so stacked he really is he's a huge Lewandowski out of that team and it's radically different he just breaks through where no other striker does in the Bundesliga and that is really fundamentally like a huge part of the difference Mm. and I know it's obvious but it has to keep being said there was a thrilling game might have been Leverkusen 3-2. This was such a good game. Was it peak Mites and, it's peak Mites and peak Leverkusen, I think, in the same game. Do you know what? Mainz did their carnival kits justice. Yeah, yeah. Carnival fin- carnival winning goal as well. Considering they have the joint best defence in the Bundesliga with Bayern and Freiburg, their defending for the opening part of that game was not great. <laughs> and they got the equaliser in the second half and then Lucas Alario got the second for Leverkusen. He was just like, oh my God, here we go. But then two late goals sealed the points. And that is a very handy win for that chasing pack on the, on the Champions League because Leverkusen have been on a decent run in the league since that draw with Union on the first match day back after the winter break. They've won four consecutive league games. And uh, it's good news for Leipzig. It's good news for Hoffenheim. It's good news for Freiburg. It's good news for Köln, really. And you could even stretch Mainz and Union into that as well who are only three points behind Leipzig in fourth there's one two there are one two three four five sides six sides in the Bundesliga chasing a European spot they're separated by three points all having played the same games Union with a bad loss to Bielefeld you know that loss the, the loss of Max Kruse they're on a they're on a bad run of form you know that's the three, yeah. first straight defeat I think in the league that was a huge loss you know for them uh, Freiburg beat Augsburg 2-1 and uh, we should mention Dortmund absolutely hammering Gladbach 
and Leipzig beating Hertha 6-1, which is less surprising, but Domenico Tedesco has got Leipzig clicking. He's a good coach, man. He did really well at Schalke. Yep. Uh, but Dortmund have um, capped off a rather... <laughs> Eccentric. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dortmund's last few results. You ready? Okay, since they came back after Christmas, they beat Frankfurt 3-2 in Frankfurt. They beat Freiburg 5-1 at home. They lose to St. Pauli in the Cup 2-1. They beat Hoffenheim 3-2 away in the league. They lose at home 5-2 to Leverkusen. They then beat Union 3-0 away. They lose 4-2 at home to Rangers. And then they beat Gladbach 6-0. What's that mean? Gladbach's second 6-0 of the season, by the way. Gosh. And one of them was at home. And this is a Gladbach team that have destroyed Bayern Bayern twice this season. (laughs) Twice. I mean, yeah, wild. Now, I know there's big change at Gladbach with Max Abel stepping down and... He was such an integral part of that club. And this season has been really, really, really difficult for them. But they just cannot string any results together. They've only won consecutive games in the league this season once. And that was a 1-0 win over Dortmund in the reverse fixture. And then they followed that with a 3-1 win over Wolfsburg. Mm. In the league, their biggest unbeaten stretch so far this season is three games. Now, this is a side that was in the Champions League last season. So, Uh. oh my goodness. I can't figure that league out. Um, we should probably get out of here. Let's do it. That was a lot of really good football this weekend. That was, listen, it was so entertaining. I, I've got to say with all the, um, the windy conditions, extremely treacherous, as we've seen, we know all too well, really treacherous conditions. Yeah. And also we we should have said at the top of the show, but thoughts with anyone affected by the storms around at the moment, because friends and family have been sending me pictures of stuff at home and it's not been great. Yeah. Brutal out there. Brutal out there. And I, I, Mm. look, I, I had the luxury I'd been able to stay inside this weekend. I mean, the weather wasn't the best, so it was wise to stay. And at one point, the wind was so loud, it basically woke me up at like 3 a.m. because it was like clattering everything outside. And I got up the next morning to see that like... Yeah, I thought my window was going to bend in. It was right. Every single branch that was like not robustly fixed to a tree outside was on the ground the next morning. It was wild. Um, But very, very fortunate that like obviously staying in for safety, I was able to be treated to so much football. So thank you to all those hardy souls who got out there and entertained us because it's one of the best weekends of football I've seen in a while, actually. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. Thrilling stuff. So thank you. Thank you, football. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. Obviously getting vaccinated if you can, get that booster if you can. Uh, don't forget to check Wright's House on Wednesday. Stadio back on Thursday with a Champions League special. Check the ringer.com forward slash soccer for all your soccer needs on the ringer. We're going to be on another ringer pod later in the week, which we will mention on Thursday. And Stanley Archer's playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on The Great Ascending by Actress. Musa, anything to add? Nothing whatsoever. Just to say that the tune you've chosen really feels particularly fitting this week. Stay well, everyone. We're back on Thursday. Till then, much love. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.